Welcome to Suspending the Rules, Bloomberg Government's weekly look at what's happening in Congress. Hello, welcome to Suspending the Rules from Bloomberg Government. I'm Adam Taylor from the BGov Legislative Analyst Team. And I'm Adam Shank. As those of you who listened last week will know, Congress is in recess until after the elections next month, so we're using this time to get a handle on what we might see when lawmakers return to Washington for the lame duck session. They've only planned four weeks of legislative activity between Election Day and the end of the 115th Congress, but there's plenty for them to try to take care of. As of this weekend, one item on that list looks like tax cuts. In fact, over the weekend, President Trump said he's looking at middle-income tax cuts before the election. Here to talk about what that proposal might be and the rest of the lame duck tax agenda in Congress is legislative analyst Sarah Babbage. Hi, Sarah. Hi, thanks for having me. So what's going on with this pre-election tax cut the president mentioned over the weekend? Well, what the president mentioned over the weekend is really the first time we're hearing about this. We haven't heard anything from Republicans in Congress beyond the tax bills that they've already been working on. It's not clear that there's really a lot of appetite for additional tax cuts at this time, especially after the news came out last week that the fiscal 2018 deficit rose to $779 billion, which is a really whopping figure. And that's projected to go up to a trillion next year, right? Yeah, it's probably uh, just going to keep increasing at the current rate that we're going. So adding more tax cuts would just double down on that. So last month, the House passed a three-bill package that Republicans dubbed Tax Cuts 2.0. It would make the individual tax provisions from last year's tax law permanent, and that's, that law is one of the main drivers of the new of the increasing deficit. It would also make changes to retirement rules and expand tax advantages provided to new businesses. Sarah, what are the chances of that coming through? So um, you mentioned the Tax 2.0 package. Uh, the retirement bill is the only one that the Senate has really been talking about. The House passed tax retirement bill was actually opposed by most Democrats, but the Senate bill has much more bipartisan support. So of the three, that's really the most likely one that we'll see action on. So what's in this retirement package? It's actually not only retirement. It's primarily focused on retirement, but there are a few other things in it as well. On the retirement side, there are changes to make sure that people can keep contributing to retirement accounts after the current limit, which is age 70 and a half as people keep working for longer. And then also people past that age, right now they're required to take minimum distributions from their accounts, but the bill would no longer require those distributions for people who have lower plan balances. So both of those things seem to make a lot of sense. They're bipartisan and they're in both the House and the Senate bills. But then there are some other things the Democrats didn't like as much in this bill. There's something called universal savings accounts that would allow people to save post-tax dollars in tax-advantaged accounts. They could be withdrawn later for any any purpose. So kind of like the flexible spending accounts we have for health care or child care, but for any purpose at all. Totally. You know, you could let that money grow over time and the uh, contribution maximum would be $2,500 per year. And Democrats didn't like it because they said not everyone has $2,500 lying around at the end of the year to contribute. So it would mostly benefit people who are better off and who are already benefiting from the tax changes from 2017. 
2017. So it's also become traditional for Congress to take a look at what we call tax extenders. So a variety of, of credits and benefits for businesses or sectors of the economy, and they usually expire on December 31st. Congress generally renews them at the end of the year. Do you, do you think they're going to do that again? And, and wasn't the tax law supposed to stop Congress from having to do that every year? You're right. The whole philosophy of the tax law was that they were going to simplify the tax code and reduce rates in exchange for that. So get rid of a bunch of credits and deductions. Of course, it's hard to get rid of a tax break once you've created it. So there are still more than two dozen provisions floating out there that are currently expired. They expired at the end of 2017 and uh, will need to be renewed either later this year or at least by the tax filing deadline for 2018, which is in mid-April of next year. So it's possible that Congress will take up those provisions in the remaining months or in the new year. But they are saying, you know, this time we're serious about getting rid of these breaks. So we'll see how serious they really are. Even if they are serious, uh, tax reform in the 80s under President Ronald Reagan got rid of a lot of these kind of tax-favored industries or businesses, and they, they crept their way back in over time. Yeah, I think that's what, what happens uh, with the tax code is, you know, you try to simplify and then an industry needs a break or a politician needs a boost from an industry in their district. And so you gradually get more complications in the tax code. And I think there has been a genuine effort in Congress to try to pair these back. So a lot of the provisions were made permanent or eliminated after 2015, but there are still some hanging on. That includes things like deductions for mortgage in mortgage insurance and tuition as well. All right. Thanks, Sarah. Stay tuned. We'll be back in just a moment to talk health care. Back in 2017, Republican majorities in both chambers of Congress pushed and pushed, but couldn't get their bill to repeal the Affordable Care Act, widely known as Obamacare, through. Since that effort ended, ACA repeal hasn't been a big topic of conversation. Well, that's changed since last week when Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell said that ACA repeal could be back on the table after the elections, and Democrats have been putting health care front and center during the midterm campaign. Specifically, they're talking about insurance coverage for those with pre-existing conditions like asthma, pregnancy, or cancer. Legislative analyst Daniel Parnas joins us now along with longtime Bloomberg Law and freshly minted Bloomberg government health policy reporter Alex Roth. They join us now to help break this down. How's it going, guys? Hey. So for those of us who aren't knee-deep in healthcare policy, can you give us a quick primer on the pre-existing conditions issue? What does the ACA require? How are Republicans trying to change it? There were a lot of insurance rules imposed by the Affordable Care Act related to benefits and coverage. Uh, three to note regarding the pre-existing conditions um, essentially comes down to both uh, requiring coverage and the cost. So the Affordable Care Act said insurers have to accept everyone who applies regardless of their health status. They can't charge higher rates based on your health, and they also can't exclude benefits related to your pre-existing condition. What we've seen from Republicans in their repeal efforts in 2017 is sort of tackling um, more the price side, the cost side of things. So they would still require insurers to cover everyone who has a pre-existing condition, but it did pave the way for um, states to allow insurers to charge more based on your health status. There's also a new effort this year um, from Republicans that sort of address the issue in a slightly different way. Instead of saying that insurers could charge higher rates, they're saying they must still cover people and charge everyone the same premium. 
but they could exclude your pre-existing condition from your coverage. So, so it really comes down to how you define protections. So in, in that proposal, they couldn't exclude people for pre-existing conditions, but they could exclude coverage of those conditions. Correct. And, and that latest bill was um, in response to a lawsuit brought by um, Republican state attorney generals led by Texas, which is saying that ever since Congress repealed the penalties associated with the individual mandate as part of tax reform, that the whole law basically shouldn't stand. And it should be noted, uh, I think it's kind of important that the past year has kind of proven the popularity of these protections from a political standpoint. I mean, this is really what sunk the repeal bills in 2017 was this chorus of, you know, red state, blue state, uh, people who had benefited from the Affordable Care Act telling lawmakers, you know, you got to keep these protections in place. And they sit really at the heart of the health law and have, you know, really Republicans kind of contorted themselves and have for the past two years standing behind these protections, but also attacking the law that brought them in. And it has really, you know, created kind of a quagmire for, you know, particularly these 20 state attorneys general from these Republican states who are, you know, tackling the law. These are, you know, people who are in a position that gets elected. And now, you know, when they're attacking the law, they also have to turn back and say, oh, but we want to keep the parts that you like, but take away the parts that you hate. And um, practically, that's a that's very difficult to get there. So it sounds like the Republicans are playing defense on this. I know in the Missouri Senate race uh, with Senator Claire McCaskill, it's been a, a pretty big issue there. Alex, what's going on in terms of you know ads and whatnot and things that are happening on the campaign trail as people are talking about this? Well, Democrats really you know have wanted to talk about health care for during this election. It's what they want to bring up again since the repeal bill. The repeal bill was really a low point for this Republican Congress. They, it was the first thing they took out of the gate. It was widely unpopular. It's a, it was a failure. Um, I know they don't always string it like that, but it's this sense that Democrats want to bring this up constantly. They want to talk about this because it's really one of the most unpopular parts of the, of the Republican agenda, and that is the repeal of, of Obamacare, and particularly in Missouri where Josh Hawley helps lead that lawsuit. You know, Claire McCaskill wants to bring that up. She wants to make that a huge point because it's something that, you know, people across the country have proven to care about. But a big question is whether or not that's going to bring them to the polls because, you know, Democrats didn't vote in 2016 to protect the ACA. And there's a question if in 2018 they're going to come back up and, uh, you know, uh, help her keep her Senate seat. So, And you're also seeing it sort of rise to the national level with the president weighing in. Um, just last week he said that everyone supports, all Republicans support pre people with pre-existing conditions. And that goes back to the issue of, well, are they requiring coverage or also requiring costs to stay down for those issues? But that also speaks to the trickiness of this issue. Everyone supports these protections. But I think when you get down to the, there's this big question of what exactly are you talking about in protections? And it's, it's really complicated. A lot of people, a lot of lawmakers who were at the heart of ACA repeal you know, do stand up and say, I'm going to protect your, your pre-existing conditions. But there's some, you know, as we talked about, some policy to it that's very difficult to get around. Fast forward to next month when Congress comes back for the lame duck session. And even going into the new Congress, what should we expect to see on the health care front? Well, uh, my money has always been on nothing actually happens. Um, but I think there is going to be a lot of talk about this. There's going to be a lot of discussion about how exactly to you know, uh, tee up bills for the next year. I think a lot of focus is going to be on how do you, you know, work with the markets themselves, 
the Trump administration, I don't want to say was gifted, but, you know, the markets are pretty stable at this point. I think we were expecting huge increases in premiums. We thought that was going to be a huge issue coming around this year. And honestly, a lot of them stayed flat. There's some places where it went down. Uh, I think going into the lame duck session, there's going to be a lot of talk and a, a lot of positioning for next year. I think particularly if Democrats are going to take one or two of the chambers or at least one of the chambers in Congress, this is going to be something they're going to want to tee up. This is going to be some positioning here. And you're going to see them you know, talk about what they want to do and, and their lay-in bills for the next year. But I wouldn't put a lot of money on them passing anything during lame duck. Well, we'll be keeping an eye on it here at Bloomberg Government. Thanks, Danielle and Alex. And happy birthday, Danielle. Thank you. That's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again next week. Thank you for listening to Suspending the Rules. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud. Find out more about the topics we discussed today and a whole lot more from Bloomberg Government at about.bgov.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at bgov. The legislative analyst team is Sarah Babbage, Noreen Chowdhury, Daniel Parnas, Michael Smallberg, and me, Adam Taylor. Our editor is Adam Schenk. Nico Anzalata is our sound engineer. Our theme music is Home Organ by Zach Nasita. More information can be found at premiumbeat.com.